0: My talk um, is on St. Joseph in the Eucharist, St. Joseph as the protector of the Eucharist. Um, it's an interesting title, right? Because we don't often make the connection between St. Joseph and the Eucharist because if you, you know, in the New Testament, it's like, yeah, Father Callaway, you're really going to have to stretch that one, buddy, because he died at some point before Jesus even began his public ministry. So St. Joseph was not present when Jesus was going around for three years with his disciples in the Holy Land, preaching, teaching, healing, all of that. And he he wasn't present at Holy Thursday, St. Joseph. He wasn't present at Good Friday, Holy Saturday, the resurrection, none of that. So how am I going to work this one? How am I going to squeeze St. Joseph into this? Well, it's actually quite easy, because if you think about it, without St. Joseph... We would not have the Eucharist. That's how essential he is to this, because for 2,000 years now, we've known this essential truth about Our Lady, for sure. And Our Lady is much greater than St. Joseph, of course. He'd be the first one to tell us that, right? Pay attention to my wife. That's what St. Joseph would say, not me. I'm, <laughs> I'm just here to do the chores and do the work. You know, I'm I'm gonna get them to the hill till they can save the world. Um, so. But without him, he wasn't physically required for the Incarnation. Saint Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus, but he is his true father, just like I'm adopted, right? And, and I call my dad, I don't call my dad Don, you know, I'm sure that Jesus didn't, you know, say Joseph, you know, no, he would have called him Abba, Daddy, Father, he was his real father. Um, and his role was, was really required, was necessary. Our lady was necessary physically. She gave the material, the flesh, to God when he became incarnate. St. Joseph did not cooperate in that, but his authority, his paternity, his love were required. And who is Jesus? He's, he's the bread from heaven who has come to feed the nations. And, you know, I'll start off by saying this, and then we'll do a little historical kind of trail here, a a passage to a greater appreciation of St. Joseph. You know, what happened—well, I'll start off with this. Do you remember in the Old Testament—you might not remember the books or the verses or anything. I don't either, to be honest with you. But (laughs) in the book of Genesis—that's about as specific as I can get. I don't know the specific verses. Do you remember about a guy named Joseph? Do you remember him? Not our Joseph, right? A lot of it, it's so funny. People are like, Father, St. Joseph wasn't back then. I'm like, duh. I'm not talking about St. Joseph, right? Like, where'd you go to catechesis? You know, no, this was thousands and thousands of years ago. There was another dude named Joseph who had a whole bunch of brothers and... <laughs> wait, did I say something weird? Yeah. No, I, I got to check myself. Sometimes I do a Freudian slip. I got to make sure I'm not saying something stupid. Okay, so another Joseph had a whole bunch of brothers and they were jealous of him. Right. You know what I'm talking about. So the father made a coat of many colors, they say. And so they were super jealous and they were like, we want that jacket. I mean, how weird, you know, <laughs> just make another one, dude. <laughs> you know, It's like not a big deal. Anyway, so they were going to kill him. They were going to kill their brother. And then one of the brothers, was it Benjamin or one of them? I have to look at it again. might have been right. So he says, hold on, let's not kill him. He's our flesh and blood. So they, they said, let's throw him here in this hole in a cistern. Right. OK, I guess that's better. <laughs> you know, so they they threw him in a hole and then they thought, well, wait, this could be lucrative. Let's sell him, you know. And so they sold their brother to a to a caravan of people going down to Egypt. So Joseph goes there and then Pharaoh puts him like in his kind of, I don't know, as a servant and he interprets his dreams. Joseph does. That's interesting. And then um. Pharaoh is so impressed with this Joseph that he puts him in charge of all of his grain, right? So at that time, Egypt was the breadbasket of the world. It store housed all this grain. And when people needed food, bread, they would go to Egypt. Well, what happened? A famine happened. And then everybody's coming to Egypt at the known world at that time, looking for bread. And even Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And they come and they don't recognize him. A lot of time had gone by. And they see him. He knows who they are, but they don't recognize him. So he toys around with them a little bit. And he doesn't reveal his identity. And he does something very interesting. He gives them some some grain to make bread to go back to their father, who is also his father. But what does he put in their bags? A chalice. What's up with that? That's kind of random. Why would you do that? Maybe he wasn't even aware of what he was doing, but there were things that were going to be prototypes that would, that would be fulfilled later in a much greater way by a much greater Joseph with a much greater bread who would have a chalice and a bread to feed the nations. Amazing stuff. So Pharaoh himself, a pagan ruler, because all these people are coming, says to the people, I think this is Genesis chapter 44. He says, Ite ad Joseph." To the people, which means go to Joseph, because he's the keeper of the bread. Okay, all of that happened historically, like a long time ago. Right. So, what about our times? It's very interesting. Hmm, let's, let's I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And again, I got to be careful so I don't get canceled here. So, <laughs> um, remember what happened just like a few years ago? What happened? all the storehouses containing the bread were closed. What am I referring to? Churches, right? Don't even get me started, right? Mm, 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 mm. That's a whole nother episode, right? That's a different talk, okay. At any rate, they were closed. Fascinating, because what did God do at that same time? established a year of St. Joseph. A new Joseph, the greater Joseph, was gonna come on the scene at the time when there was a famine and open them up again, right? Regardless of those who closed them, open them up again. It happened. So in March, was it March, 2020? So yeah, when it all went down, right? And everybody's freaking out and putting a diaper on their face and you know, was crazy, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> right, <laughs> crazy, you know? It was nuts, everything that was going on. So that happened. Everything shut down. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't receive the bread of angels. You were locked out. Then what did God do through his church? Open, yeah, declared a year of Saint Joseph. Joseph would come on the scene in a way unparalleled in the history of Christianity. And the doors would begin to open again so that the nations could be fed again with the bread of life. You know, and it didn't even really... Let's back up even 100 years ago. Do you know there was only like 100 years ago that Catholics began to be privileged, the laity, to be able to receive Holy Communion on a daily basis through the papacy of Pope St. Pius X? Prior to that, the saints, did, they didn't receive, the, if they were laity, uh, the Eucharist on a daily basis. No. We often think that they did. Like, we're, we're so used to it today that we think it's normal. It wasn't normal. They only went on Sundays. So... Why did that happen a hundred years ago? Because St. Joseph was doing incredible things. It was at the same time that there was a new movement of devotion and focusing on St. Joseph, that St. Joseph was declared the patron of the church, the father of the church and the Catholic church opened it up for everybody to be able to receive communion on a daily basis. They were parallel events that were happening at the same time. And yet we haven't really made fully these connections. We haven't unpacked everything that's been going on with relation to St. Joseph. There's incredible things that are going on right now with St. Joseph. We're living in such a privileged time with this great saint, the man behind the scenes who's never gotten proper credit. You know, if you look at, you know, even the Christmas cards that you buy your Hallmark cards, or your, your images of St. Joseph, how has he been portrayed? Good answer, wow, you guys know your stuff, yeah. Old, and there's nothing wrong with old men, trust me, okay, ay oh, yeah, ay. Yeah. I've given these talks and people come up to me like, Father, you hate old men? I'm like, what? Of all the things I said, that's what you, in- how? come on. No, of course not. But that's how he's been portrayed. And because we didn't know a lot about St. Joseph, we didn't really understand because the New Testament, we don't have one word from him and we only have certain scenes. We don't have too much on his life. And so people tried to fill in the gaps with noble intentions. But a lot of it was guesswork. A lot of it was they were just making up theories and it's understandable on some level. So, for example, even when I became a Catholic through my seminary studies, I just assumed that he was old, too because that's what I would hear most times from the pulpit. I would also hear that he was previously married. You ever hear that? Yeah. Right, that he was a widower, had other children, and I was like, well, that's what father says, so who am I as a you know little seminarian to think differently? This guy's been educated and such, and so I don't know, it seems odd to me that God would give to Our Lady secondhand goods, but whatever, <laughs> you know, it's not, uh, sorry, but you know what I'm saying, okay? Again, if that's your situation, you're like, hey, right? <laughs> I get it. But you know what I mean, OK. So it never really clicked. I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, if you're going to give a man to be Our Lady's husband and to raise the Messiah, I mean, OK, maybe he doesn't have to be Brambo or Bruce Lee, although I think that'd be sweet. but. Wouldn't he have to be like manly and, 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 and like have memory and not have to take afternoon naps all the time? And how is he gonna <laughs> walk to Egypt with them and, and, and all the things that are required? That didn't really rub with me right, but I didn't know the stuff, so anyway. So about six years ago, when um, I got this inspiration, I believe from the Holy Spirit, to do something with St. Joseph, because the times that we live in right now, what is it? 69% of people no longer believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. That's, just not, that's not me just saying that because I got a microphone and you're forced to listen to me. That's a, that's a survey it has been shown. Four years ago, I think it was. Um, and what was the other one I just read the other day? Literally, it might have been yesterday or the day before. 75% of Catholics approve of so-called gay marriage. 75%, right? So we're, we're in a bad way, folks. We're in a real bad way. And so we've got a real crisis right now on what I would say would be anthropological issues of there's confusion, right? What is a woman? That's the, you know, today. And it's crazy. I mean, you've you've got dudes who think that they can have a monthly cycle now and can have a baby. I mean, that's insanity, okay? I mean, you're mentally, you need some help. You need some serious inpatient care, if you're thinking that way. But the vast majority of the education system, of the higher education, of all the universities and all that, that's what they buy into. Everything's gone woke, right? And we know what happens with everything that goes woke. Well, I won't say it, but you know where I'm going with that, right? Yeah, it does. It truly turns to, "Eh." it does. Because this is how bad we are right now. So how do we get out of this? That's what my question was. When people are coming to me as a priest, how do I get them to believe in the Eucharist again? How do do I help them to turn away from these unnatural understandings of sexuality and all this wokeness and all this craziness? How do I get them back? I, I mean, what do I do? I celebrate Mass. I hear confessions, and that's the greatest thing that I can do. But people need homework at home. These are home issues. Right? If you look at the amount of children now today who are raised without a father, a father figure, is massive. It is so big. That was my experience. I had three dads before I was 10, and none of them were St. Joseph. I mean, (laughs) you know, this has become the norm today, unfortunately. So that's when it came to me, we need a model of manhood, of real manhood. Because a lot of the problems that we've had today are because it's been the men who are the ones who did not take their wife and children to church to receive the bread. And when it's the father who doesn't do that, again, studies have shown that if those children grow up in a household where the father is not the one leading the family in the practice of the faith, that it's like 75% of those children will no longer practice the faith when they leave from under that roof. Why? Because dad didn't do it. If it's only left up to the mother to do it, which sometimes happens by default, of course, and women are much better at it than men, but That's not the point. Men's role is essential. It has to be there. If it doesn't, there is gonna be drastic things that take place. So, for example, think about this. In the life of the Holy Family, you've got Jesus, who's God, Mary, who's not God, but a perfect creature, the Immaculata, and then you've got Joseph, right? Poor guy. So. When the family practiced their faith, when they went to the temple, when they did various Jewish rituals and so forth and ceremonies and they went down to Jerusalem, who was it that led it? Was it Jesus? No. And he's God. He didn't lead it. He didn't lead the prayers in the family. That wasn't his role, even though he's God. He'd do it way better than Our Lady and St. Joseph. Yep. Nope. He didn't take usurp their role. Was it Mary's role? No. She could have done it way better than St. Joseph. She could have said to St. Joseph, honey, that was nice, but I got it. No. And she would have been right, okay? But she didn't. She let him be the man, the head of the household. See, today, everybody's triggered. Everybody's triggered by everything today. How dare you? Men are not the head of my house. Well, then you're going to have a jacked up house. Seriously. It's not, we're not saying that, that men are better than women, because we're not. Everybody knows that men are not better than women. The, <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, you're laughing at weird times, so I don't know if I'm saying something wrong here. So, I mean, the majority of the people at the foot of the cross were not men. They were women. Right. I mean, it's an incredible thing that the greatest human person who ever lived was not a man. Jesus is a divine person. He's got a divine and human nature, but his personhood is divine. In other words, he's not a schizophrenic. He doesn't have a divine person, a human person. I'm God. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. He's not a weirdo. He's he's God. He's a divine person. He's not a human person. So the greatest human person who ever lived was not a man, but a woman, our lady. And yet she knew her role and she didn't take it away from her husband. Because that happens a lot today. You know, women, God bless them, just want to kind of do everything because their husband sucks at it. (laughs) And so they just end up doing it. okay. but let him do it, all right? He'll get better. You can refine his manhood, because it takes a woman to refine the manhood of a man and make him better. It's how it works. But today, we've got all this confusion about these issues. So that's when I really believe that, in this time of crisis, in belief in the Eucharist, and belief in what marriage is, and and, and what bathroom you should use, <laughs> you know, and all these other crazy things. We need a man to come in and to establish order. It takes a husband and a father to establish order in the household when it's a mess, when there's chaos. And that's what St. Joseph does for the house, God's family that's been put under his care. It's what a good father does. And so it's it's very apparent to me that we have this, happening today with saint joseph coming in and restoring order and bringing back people to jesus christ into belief in his real presence bringing them back to the sacraments so where did this all begin specifically because we've always loved saint joseph from the beginning of the church of course even though there were misunderstandings of him he's old he was formerly married which by the way is not the teaching of the church you show me the catechism, the apostolic letter, the encyclical, the document, the council statement that says these things. You can't. You, you will not find it, because it's not true. They're, those are based on apocryphal literature, non-inspired, non-approved, and interesting, for sure. We get some interesting stuff from those, but it's not the teaching of the Catholic Church, that he was an old man. Actually, there are some brilliant stuff coming out right now by a theologian, Dr. Brant Petrie. Wow. I wish I had found that dude's videos before I published my book, because, you know, people were saying, well, Father, that's good. You're saying that saints have said this, and mystics, and an apparition shows him as younger, and so forth. That's nice, but it's too bad you can't ground it in divine revelation, Father, this age of Joseph thing. Otherwise, it just seems like it's your opinion, or the saints, and saints aren't right on everything all the time when it comes to these matters. So I was like, yeah, it's true. I wish I could. Well, Dr. Brant Petrie actually has, because he's smart. right? Like knows like a ton of languages. And, and so he's unpacked the Greek in the New Testament of what words are used to des- when it's describing St. Joseph and his manhood. And according to first century um, Christianity, second century, there's documents that show age brackets for when certain words are used in Greek in the New Testament talking about manhood. And the age bracket for the ones that are used for Joseph put him between, I think it's age 28 and 45 it's like wow so this is it's in divine revelation actually we missed it for 2000 years that's amazing so it's just tremendous stuff and then that whole the whole widow thing uh, you know it's that's not the teaching of the church never has been actually there's a very firm tradition that saint joseph was a virgin just like our lady and doesn't that make sense yes. it totally does right totally does so but you know as we went through church history there weren't the crises that we were, we're having today. So people didn't really look to St. Joseph to do battle for them over things like marriage. Even heretics in the 13th century knew that marriage is between a dude and a woman, right? Even the bad guys back then who, who had problems didn't deny what marriage was. Or, you know, even um, people who struggle with other aspects of the teaching of the church, they didn't linger too far away. They would still hold to some essentials, but that's not the case today. We're living in a post-human era today, a post-Christian era today, where even today, you know, our, our calendars are changed. Have you seen this lately? It's amazing. Like, now they start it like on a Saturday. Like, I get so confused, I'm trying to plan out my life. And I, I'm like, wait, there's two S's at the beginning. What? What's up with that? I'm like, oh, they're doing Saturday first. Why? Because they don't want the day of the Lord to be the first day of the week anymore, Aww. right? Or that whole AD thing, Anno Domini, they got rid of that. Look look at most of your children's textbooks now. It's not AD anymore. What, it's CE. Right, it's the common era, is what they're referring to. I call it the common error, right? It's not, what are you doing here? They're kicking Jesus out of history. They don't want it to be centered on him. So we're, we're moving past Christianity now um, in the culture, and it's scary. And so at this time, God is saying to us, you know what, I've saved the big guns for this time. For the time of crises, when people don't even know what they are, I mean, you can identify today as a cat and have rights, and, and if your teacher doesn't purr back to you, you can, you can sue the teacher. This is insane, what we're living through right now. So we need a father to come and to restore order and help us, but in a loving way, in, in, a, in a compassionate way, realizing that his children are sick and they need care, They need he needs to smother them with kisses and tons of mercy, this is why we're here this weekend, but... Truth as well, we have to say the truth, and there's gonna be no better person to do this than St. Joseph, who is so loving, who is so kind, who is so gentle, filled with so much tenderness, compassion, and all of that, you betcha. And yet, he's what, the pillar of families, the guardian of virgins, the glory of domestic life, the terror of demons, his titles and his litany. You know, it's fascinating that we can actually pinpoint a time in history when the holy spirit was going to give saint joseph to the church in the world in anticipation of what was coming so from the beginning of the church people loved saint joseph but they didn't talk about him too much they didn't write on him they didn't do too much there were saints who were devoted to him but it was more devotional saint Teresa of avila and a whole bunch of others good stuff real good stuff But there wasn't a theology of St. Joseph like there was on Our Lady or the Saints or the Cross or soteriology, ecclesiology, and all these other ologies. There wasn't that kind of stuff. There wasn't a Josephology. And all of a sudden, something changed. And the year was 1870. Something radical was going on in the world. Now, I'm going to say this. Hopefully, there's not too many young children here. Hopefully, there's no young children here, actually. But um, are there any? Okay. Oh, good. Okay. All right, here we go, yeah. here we go, all right. So in the mid to late 19th century, do you know what was being manufactured? Synthetic rubber. Condoms would begin to come on the scene, right? That's why the pope declared, one of the reasons why the pope declared the Immaculate Conception in 1854, because life was going to be start being attacked like it had never been attacked before, right? Isn't that interesting, too? God could have had the church declare that dogma of the Immaculate Conception back in the 13th century, 7th century, or right at the very beginning. But he didn't. Why? Because there was going to be a battle in the future over life. And God would save this great gift of the Immaculate Conception to be declared a dogma until 1854 because of this. And then right after that, what was going to happen? In 1870, you had St. Joseph declared the patron of the church the father of the church. The timing, the battle, something was coming, and god it was being set up. The devil had a battle plan, setting it up, and God was saying, yeah, not going to happen. We're going to bring in the big guns. And so in 1870, when that was declared, the pope declared St. Joseph the patron of the church, what was heaven's response to that? St. Joseph came in an apparition. Do you know where? Knock. Knock. Knock Ireland. Don't even get me started on the other Joe that's going there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Nope. See, we got a parallel battle going on. The devil is the ape of God. He can't create. He can't. He can't. So what does he do? Like a monkey in the zoo, he, he imitates, mimics, and mocks what he sees being done on the other side. That's what the devil does. So God's got his Joe and the devil's got his too. Seriously. I mean, you you, you couldn't get any clearer on these things. I mean, think about it. The year of St. Joseph happened in what? 2020, right? Right. St. Joseph got one year. What'd the other one get? Four, right? There's a battle going on, my friends. Do you not see it, right? Our Joseph wants to open the churches. What'd the other one do? Close them, right? I've got a whole list, a litany, side by side, which I would definitely get canceled for and have to go underground if I shared it with you. But <laughs> it's true. There is something so clear for those who see it, who pray, and who, who, who can recognize what's going on. So St. Joseph comes in an apparition in Knock, Ireland, 1879, right after he was declared the patron of the church on a rainy day. Ireland, and appears to a whole bunch of people with Our Lady, she's there, St. John the Apostle is there, and a lamb, like depicting our Lord as the Lamb of God. They didn't say anything. Classic St. Joseph. I'm like, uh, if if I'd been one of those Irish people, I would have been like, say something, speak, right? Finally, he's on the scene, talk, right? But he didn't. And neither did Our Lady. Nobody said anything. They didn't need to. Their presence was a comfort to the people because they were going through a famine. So after that fully approved apparition, um, amazing things started to happen with St. Joseph because the battle was going to start raging big time with modernism and Freemasonry and all these things happening globally that were going to start attacking the church. And so we get the first official encyclical on St. Joseph by Pope Leo XIII in 1889. You know, it's almost, it's almost embarrassing for me to say this as a priest. It took the church 1,889 years to get a document on St. Joseph. That's how just, he wasn't, nobody talked about him, but we got it and it's awesome. That, those encyclicals of old, those things rock, right? So clear, no ambiguity, super clear about what he's talking about. And he says that devotion to St. Joseph will help heal the ills of our time. And he was right. So after he did that, what happened? How did heaven respond? Another apparition. Saint Joseph came again. Do you know where? Fatima. Fatima. That's right. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, Father Calloway, where seminary did you go to? That was our lady, Father. Right, right. But Saint Joseph was also at Fatima at the last apparition, October 13th, 1917, when the sun gyrated and spun in the heavens and 70,000-plus people saw it, thought, you know, game over. It looked like it was going to collide and we're going to die. Right after that, the children, the three little visionary children, saw St. Joseph in the heavens, holding the Christ child, and together, Father and Son, Joseph and Jesus, blessed the world. Fully approved aspect of the Fatima apparitions, but almost nobody knows about it. It's it's vital to the the essence of Fatima. Why? Because we all want the triumph of Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, which means the the triumph of Christ the King, which is what we all want, right? Right? But are we going to get that when families are so messed up today, when like half of all marriages end in divorce, 75% of Catholics now believe in so-called homosexual marriage, 69% don't believe in the Eucharist. Is this the triumph? Nah, nah. When are we going to get it? When we put the father back in families in his rightful role, when it's being done correctly, not just in the world, meaning human families, but even in the church. See, there's a reason you call me, Father Chris and others, Father We need holy fathers. We need men who are loving, compassionate, merciful, gentle, but also truthful and are willing to give you a spanking. Mm -hmm. That's True love hurts, is tough love. They don't let the children just run and create more chaos and a mess in the house. Clean your room. That's what a real father does. And so we need this restored understanding of fatherhood in the world and in the church. I don't. You, you don't have to get into the crises that we've been having in the church of late. I mean, it's just it's bizarro land. What you know? And this stuff has been prophesied by Our Lady in like Akita, 1973. Bishops against bishops, priests against priests in the public forum. It's play, being played out today. That's what I mean. Me and that. play for me. Me and that social media thing. You know, because I'm like, oh, bro, bro. I'm like, shh, shh, what are you doing? You know. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, it's just it's crazy, but it's the times that we're living in. So this is happening. St. Joseph is on the scene, appearing in apparitions, unheard of stuff. And the church starts to put so much emphasis on St. Joseph that we get the litany of St. Joseph. We didn't have a litany of St. Joseph until the beginning of the 20th century, an approved one. We get um, more feast days dedicated to St. Joseph. Right? Communism was a real threat in the mid-20th century, and so... You know, the popes were saying we need to appeal to St. Joseph and we got a new feast day on May 1st, St. Joseph the Worker, which was primarily meant to help us overcome the threat of communism. And it kind of worked, if you think about it. Now it's come back, right? We expelled the demon, but remember, they come back with seven more. So what do we got now? Socialism, Marxism, all these other things, basically the stepchildren of communism coming and people rejoice, Right? Young kids are going to college and they're wearing Che Guevara shirts thinking he's a great leader and a freedom fighter. You're clueless. You have no idea what this dude did and what he stood for and the people that he had killed. Absolutely. But this is the education system. Right? So we need St. Joseph again to help us to, to combat these threats. And the Holy Spirit's been coming through. Unbelievable stuff has been happening. Do you know it was only in 1962, I wasn't even born yet, that St. Joseph's name got put in the what? The Eucharistic prayer, right? Joseph and the Eucharist are so close. I mean, and and again, as a priest, it's embarrassing for me to to realize, wait a minute, you mean back in the day, like even somebody like St. Andre Bassett, who was awesome, just our northern neighbor, you know, the greatest shrine dedicated to St. Joseph, he didn't even go to a mass where St. Joseph's name was in it? No. Neither did St. Teresa of Avila. Neither did any of them prior to 1962. Joseph's name was not in the greatest of all prayers until 1962. Do you know how privileged we are to live right now? To hear that? It's unbelievable. They would have done anything back in the day to hear this, but they didn't. In heaven now they do, of course, but here we are and we get to hear it every day. We can go and receive the Eucharist on a daily basis We can hear Joseph's name in the mass. We can have a father who fights for us when the leaders close the churches. We can have a father who fights for us when the family is in crisis and to bring us back to order. We can have a father who comes to us right now in a time of absolute filth. What's the real plague on the planet right now? It ain't COVID, folks. You know what it is? Pornography. It is a plague, a poison to souls, and even women are falling prey to it today, which is like shocking, right? But so many men, the vast majority of men have fallen victim to pornography and all that it leads into, the mortal sins that follow through with it. Trust me, I can't tell you the details, but hearing confessions, nothing even compares. Nothing comes close to it. And what's the fruit of that? Broken marriages, contraception, abortion, all kinds of sexual depravity all over the place. So what do we do? How do we get out of this? Joseph. Do you know that when I was doing the research for my book, um, I came across so much good material. And there was one by Venerable Mary of Agreda from Spain, who's amazing. Oh my goodness, she's amazing. I'm actually going to be privileged in June to go to her tomb in Spain. Can't wait. That's going to be awesome. So she received messages from heaven And one of them, um, she was given by Our Lady, the privileges of devotion to St. Joseph. Do you know what the first privilege of them are? Purity. Purity. My friends, I cannot tell you how much we need this today. When when men are clicking that mouse or going on and watching these filthy things, discussing things that ruins a man's heart, Joseph right now is coming through in ways that are shocking me. I don't know, did you see the interview with, um, is his name Michael Knowles, right? Is that the dude? Yeah. And Father Dan Rehill, who's a priest exorcist up in uh, Tennessee, I think it is, right? So this priest, whom I know, he had so many, he's an exorcist. He, He like, you know, takes the devil out of people, you know? So he had, yeah, so. He had people coming up, men coming up to him saying, Father, I'm in bondage to pornography. I've been for decades. I cannot break free. I've been to programs. I've been to this. I've been to that. It doesn't work. I don't know what to do. He gave him the consecration to St. Joseph. Do you know the amount of men who are being free from this addiction through consecration to St. Joseph right now is off the charts? (laughs) Why? Because of the promise. It's a fruit of being devoted to him. And that's why we were given this right now. See, the 13th century, they didn't suffer from addiction to Internet pornography. It didn't exist. Sure, they suffered from lust right from the beginning. But today, it's off the charts how this is affecting humanity. And it's no wonder, again, that God has given to us right now the man who has the most chaste heart. This man lived with the Immaculata, with the most beautiful woman ever to walk this planet. We We can't even fathom how beautiful this woman was. And yet this man lived with her, and the marriage was never consummated. Do you know what integrity, what heroic virtue it takes for a man to live with such beauty and to yet have eyes that are chaste, a heart that is chaste, intentions that are pure? Off the charts. This is Saint Joseph. See, that's why in the early church they depicted him as being old. Seriously, they thought there is no way that a dude could live with such a woman (laughs) I mean, that's how I put it, but that's really how it, that's why they said that. But that is so lame. Are you saying that men can't be chaste, that they can't be pure? No, you don't have to wait till you're an old man and your, your libido is dead. You don't have to wait till you know there's no testosterone left in your body to be virtuous. That's not virtue at all. You're practically dead, right? <laughs> It's actually more virtuous for a young man who lives with such beauty to have restraint of his passions, to have his stuff in check constantly. That's that's just the truth of it. I mean, look at what are all the Frasati, the hottie, the girls say, right? <laughs> Blessed Frassati. If that dude, young, handsome guy could be a man of virtue, could not St. Joseph? Of course he could. And he was. So that's the model that men need to be looking to today to know how to treat women to know how to honor them, respect them, serve them, die for them in this messed up time that we have. What is St. Joseph in his litany? The guardian of virgins, the protector of femininity. That's what we need today. My goodness, if we had that in households today, what a different culture we would have. What a different you know, environment that we would be living in. And so, so many people have found strength, so many men have found strength in that. And then we had, in our lifetime, just a few years ago, never been done before, probably won't happen again in our lifetime. I pray it does, but I doubt it. It only took us 2020 years to get this one, the year of St. Joseph. Never had one before. Had a year of Our Lady, year of mercy, year of prayer, St. Paul, year of this, that and the other, which are all awesome and great, but never had a year of St. Joseph until 2020, the perfect time Oh my goodness, what a time. You know, do you know you do because you lived through it. So much stress. So much anxiety. People lost their jobs. If you don't take that thing, you're fired, right? That's what people were up against, right? I can't tell you how many of those letters I cranked out trying to save people's jobs, right? Oh my goodness, it was unbelievable. How insane. How insane. So Appealing to St. Joseph to give people hope, to give him peace, to give him comfort, to even find him a new job. You know how many people came up to me and said, Father, my husband lost the, his job over these issues, and now we don't know what to do. How are we gonna pay the bills? We got five kids, we're, we're, we're gonna be on the streets. They turned to St. Joseph. Do you know what happened? They get better jobs than they had before. Seriously, it's amazing. He is so untapped. He is such a reservoir of grace. He is greater than the Joseph of old, which says that he was put in charge of the storehouses of the grain. Our Joseph, as it says in the litany, is the one who dispenses the treasures of heaven. All of them. All of them. I mean, think about it. I love to think about this stuff because we know that when our lady, our dear mother, goes to Jesus... And simply, th- she doesn't even make a request. She just makes an observation. They have no wine. <laughs> Boom, right? I mean, they probably had to have like an AA meeting after that wedding, because <laughs> he made so much wine. It's shocking actually, how much wine he made. Because she simply said they, ha- they don't have any. Why did he do that? Because he loves his mom. Right? Just like I love my mom. I'm not God or the Messiah. I'm not omnipotent. But if my mom comes up to me and says, Donnie, da-da-da-da-da, I'm going to be like, OK, yeah, OK, Mom, I'm, I'm on it. Right? Because I love my mom. Jesus loves his mom. Well, Jesus also loves his dad, Joseph. And so if Joseph, now in heaven, brings a petition to him, if you're here down here, bless my husband who hates church and uh, you know is such a bad man, or <laughs> bless my delinquent children who are shacked up with their significant other in San Francisco or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> please St. Joseph, right? Help me, help me, help me. He's going to take those petitions to Jesus, his son, and Jesus is going to respond. It's not going to be unheard. Sure, things might not happen immediately. God's got a plan. He's got your best interest at hand, but it's going to have power, right? You go to certain saints for particular things. If somebody has got cancer, you go to St peregrine, right? You lose your car keys, right? Poor guy. He's got to be so sick and tired of that. You know, he's like, again, or whatever saint, but St. Joseph, all, oh, everything. He takes care of everything. Why? Because he's your dad. He's your dad. He's your spiritual father. And he wants to help you. You know, if you think about it, this, these, these are things that I love to, to, to just meditate upon Right, they tell me, and maybe you can affirm this, ladies who are present, that when a baby says its first words, it's generally not mama. That's right. That's right. And it's just easier in every culture for the baby to formulate that, right? Abba, dada, right? Instead of mama. I don't know why that is. I'm sure many mothers are secretly like, no, mama, mama. Say mama, 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 right? I bet you do that, right? (laughs) But if that is true, in all likelihood, what would the first words out of the mouth of the baby God, Jesus, have been? Abba. Abba. Looking at Joseph. And would Mary have been jealous? Like, no, I said mama. No, no, she wouldn't have done that. She would have rejoiced in that. See, that's another thing that we need St. Joseph today for in a special way is we're not in a competition, guys, right? Because today there's, there's a battle between the sexes of who wears the pants, of who rules the thing. Don't tell me what to do. I can open my own door. Thank you, right? All this kind of nonsense. It's everywhere. I mean, you've even got dudes who suck at male sports, so they what? Say they're a woman and then go crush all the women in swimming because you suck as a dude in your own sport, right? It's so obvious. You see what I mean? We're going to get canceled one of these days. DivineMercyPlus.org. Okay. Yeah. Father Chris, whereas he's probably like, oh, Lord, I didn't know he was going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you know what I mean? So we need to look to St. Joseph to be, yes, that loving man, that gentle man, but a good man because you want to avoid the extremes. Today, there's so much confusion that some men, they don't know what it means to be a man, and so they basically want to be women, and they want to be only emotion and tenderness and compassion. No. No. You have to have those things, yes, of course, just like St. Joseph did. But on the other hand, you have to avoid being a machismo, you know, woman, make me breakfast, and being some caveman and treating people and using your authority and your strength in the wrong way, and you hurt people. That's not right. There's been a lot of men who have done that, and we have to avoid that. I mean, I have to say, I, I, as a priest, I hear that all the time, and and it it breaks my heart as a priest. So many people come up to me and they say, Father, my, my husband or a boyfriend that I had, they really hurt me, either emotionally or physically or, or sexually. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It should not be this way. And it, it wounds, especially a, 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 a growing feminine heart, because a girl wants affirmation from her dad she wants to be able to stand up on that coffee table and sw- twirl around, daddy, look, daddy, daddy, look, daddy, daddy, look. And when daddy looks and affirms the little princess, that does so much for that little girl. But when he doesn't, and when he verbally tears her down, what, nah, why aren't you pretty as your sister? Why does your nose look like? Why is this? Why? Do you know what that does to a little girl? It makes her so insecure that she'll grow up, she'll become a woman and you know, get married or whatever, but she'll retain that insecurity. I see it played out so often. Even a woman who can be married to a great guy, she's always asked him, do you love me? Do you really love me? What do I got to do to prove my love for you? Because there were wounds from a man who used his strength in the wrong way. Think about Our Lady. Our Lady is a woman. You know, oftentimes we, we, we picture Our Lady as like a robot or the saints like robots. It's like, okay, take one. Okay, okay, yeah, turn to the left. We got a little shadow on your face, Mary, at the nativity scene. Okay, cut. All right, good. We're just going to stand here for seven years until you lose them in the temple. No, they had like a family life, right? They did things together. They took trips. I don't know if they threw a frisbee. Whatever they did back then for recreation, they did it, right? They're normal people, you know, holy people, but normal people. But we forget that, and we forget that they were married Yes, they did not engage in the conjugal act. It was a different kind of marriage because of the, for the sake of the mission, but they loved each other. That's what happens when you depict St. Joseph as an old guy. He's basically the grandfather of his own wife, and he's babysitting not only the child God, but this young girl. No, they were married. You don't get married because you're not in love. They loved each other. There would be probably the most pure, modest amazing, we would probably pass out if we saw it, signs of affection in that marriage. Really? I mean, what does every woman like to do with her husband? She likes to, you know, have a little peck on her, on her forehead, right? A little chaste peck, a sign of love, or just something so simple as a rose given to her, just a random rose, I don't know, with no significant. When that stuff is done to a woman, oh my goodness, what it does to her heart. Can you imagine Joseph doing that to his lady? Because he would have. He loved her so much. He's the first one to call her, my lady. He's the first knight. He's the greatest Marian saint of all time. Nobody can come, comes come close to him. Not even St. Louis de Montfort, St. Alphonsus Lagory, St. Maximilian Colby, John Paul II. Joseph smoked them all. <laughs> He's the first one totally consecrated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. He's the greatest of all the saints. And Mary's feminine heart rested in his manhood. She's a girl. She has emotions, affections, a desire to be affirmed. Again, we just see her as stoic in a statue, you know. Okay, yes, but she's a girl. She had a heart and she rested in the strength of her man. And that's what so many women need to do today so that they have that comfortability of saying and being okay with, yes, my husband is the head of our house. I'm okay with that. Why? Because he's not using his manhood in the wrong way. He's willing to die for us. He's willing to put out the fires, take a bullet, and fight off the wolves to protect me, his beauty, and our children. That's what St. Joseph did for the Holy Family. You know, even the mystics talk about this, like Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, Venerable Mary Vigreta, and uh, what's that new one who's a servant of God, Mother Baish, something like that, right? I didn't put her in my book because she wasn't on her way to sainthood when my book came out, but now she is. Her book is amazing. They talk about when Joseph took his wife and their son to Egypt. That was a dangerous road. Bandits, robbers, young beautiful woman, bad intentions. What was St. Joseph willing to do? Throw down, baby, hmm By the way, that's why many saints and mystics say that that's why God did not allow St. Joseph to be at Calvary. Why? Because he would have kicked some butt. Right, As any father would. You try and hurt my son, it's on, baby, right? hmm And you're going to ha- do this in front of my wife? Nope. It, you know, gloves are coming off. Meet me behind the shed. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's over. He wouldn't have just sat on the sidelines. His strength would have been on full display, so he couldn't be at Calvary. No, no, no. He couldn't be. At th- I'm not, this isn't me saying that. This. this is the saints and mystics saying this. See, this is why we need this understanding of manhood today, based on St. Joseph, to fight the battles of our time in a loving, compassionate, merciful, kind way. Always got to throw that in there because everybody's always like, oh, father, you got to say loving. Duh, right? (laughs) Obviously. But you got to do it like St. Joseph. You got to do it in the right way. Wouldn't it be awesome if today, I don't even know if they still do this today because so many kids don't have dads today. But back in the day, you would describe like your mom or dad to the class. My mom's a teacher or my mom's a whatever, or my dad does this. Or, you know, imagine if, if, if at show and tell one day in school, little Johnny stands up and shows a picture of his dad. Thank God he's got one. And he says, my dad is the pillar of our family. My dad is the glory of our home life. My dad is the guardian of virgins. My dad is the terror of demons. Wouldn't that be awesome? Sure it would. And why is St. Joseph the terror of demons, by the way? Why is that? It's fascinating. Two reasons. There's a lot, but two main ones. His paternity, because paternity has power. It has strength. The devil knows that. He doesn't want you to know it. Because again, when when Joseph goes to Jesus, Jesus hears it as a son. Sure, dad, consider it done. If it's what you want, I know it's in accord with what I want. It's done. It has power and his purity. St. Joseph's purity is oh my goodness, it's a weapon against the filthy pornographic creature that the devil is. If you're not pure, you don't have power. If you don't have purity in your life, you are spiritually impotent and the devil ain't worried about you. That's why so many men today are not a threat to the devil. The devil ain't worried about them because they keep falling into mortal sins through pornography. Seriously. But when you are pure, you have power and you're a terror to demons. That's why men need to look to St. Joseph. It's why women need to look to St. Joseph to understand what it means to have a true man in your life. So many young girls today come up to me, Father, I want a man, I can't find one. Where are all the good men? They're all in the seminary. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I get it. Well, every now and then one falls out, sister, so get ready, you know, so, you know. Matter of fact, I remember a few years ago, Father Chris might remember this, Father Matt Tominey, one of our guys, great guys, director of the shrine, good man, and a handsome young fellow, right? So I remember at Steubenville, there was a young lady who was like really into him. And I never told him until after he was ordained because I didn't want him having no ideas. No, she was a cutie. And I was like, nah, we'll tell him after he was ordained. So I did, you know, so anyway, so my friends, Go to St. Joseph right now for mercy. I've got my own titles for St. Joseph. I call him the patriarch of divine mercy. I try the apostle of divine mercy, the, 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 the beneficiary of divine mercy. I've got a whole bunch of these titles. We need him right now. You need him in your individual life. You need him in your marriage. You need him in your family. You need him in your parish. Bring him. Do the consecration, which I'm, I know so many of you are, have already done it. Do it again. Do it with your parish. Ask your father in a nice, gentle way, because they sometimes freak out. Oh, great, another consecration. You know, <laughs> I understand. But it, it it really does transform things. It helps in tremendous ways. And lastly, I'll end with this. Um, it's not out yet, but just to give you a little taste of what's coming, I've got a graphic novel coming out on St. Joseph. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's a comic book, right? But it's for adults, too. And it's going to be so good. The artwork in it, this artist, Sam Estrada, Filipino-American guy, can draw like you've never seen anybody draw. It's done. I think it's actually at the printers, and we're fine-tuning some things. It'll come out in June. It's called The Chaste Heart of St. Joseph. So when that comes out, get a copy of that. It's really going to be good stuff. You're really going to love that. Kind of the follow-up to Consecration of St. Joseph. So my friends... I can't thank you enough for coming today to be a part of our marian family to pray for us to pray with us to support us to have our six when the enemy comes after us yes. father chris and i need you guys for that yes. and remember yes. what's the website divinemercyplus.org <laughs> right because after talks like this yeah we're probably going down at some point so <laughs> go to joseph god bless you my friends <laughs>